1: podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And this is our April bonus recording for the month <laughs> April of April.
0: 30th, 8.22pm,
1: <laughs> right under the door. J. Jonah Jameson is waiting for his give me podcast give about me, books, he's give saying. Give me podcast about Spider-Man. Uh, well, we don't have one for Spider-Man. We do have one about what book this week, Andrew, that you read? This episode
0: I read Lost Cat, A True Story of Love, Desperation, and GPS Technology by Caroline Paul with illustrations by Wendy McNaughton.
1: Great. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it. If folks have never listened to our podcast before, starting with a bonus episode is a choice, but uh, one of us reads a
0: book <laughs> and starting tells with the- with a bonus <laughs> episode that you had to pay to get in here to see? Like I, uh, I respect the confidence in us, I guess, but- People, that's, we, that's a weird one. That'd be a People weird will one. be listening
1: to this down the line, though, is what I'm thinking. Um, um, I guess. Yeah. Uh, one of us reads a book, tells the other person about it. Um, it's a book that we theoretically haven't read before or in a long, long time. Um, Andrew, you want to set up like what this book is and why you thought to bring it on the show?
0: Uh, so my two and a half months ago, uh, our cat got out. And we never saw him again. Um, and I put out a couple of tweets about it, and a former coworker actually uh, recommended this book as just something like this, it's not it's not exactly that. Like that's not exactly what happens, but it is like very voicey and sort of humorous and a true story, but told in a way that is heightened so as to make all of its subjects seem sort of vaguely deranged. <laughs> I think, um, and yeah, just, I, they recommended it right as we were planning our April schedule. And for reasons that we can maybe like talk about, I feel like I've had trouble like processing the whole sure. thing. Sure. And so I figured that we just do it in front of people and probably it'll go great. <laughs> You do like to hold
1: yourself accountable in these oddly public ways. Sometimes it is not, as someone who is not a super public person. I wouldn't say about you. You do like
0: <laughs> what other, what other uh, moments are you thinking
1: about? I'm just thinking, well, I'm just thinking about how you have dealt with live shows and stuff too, where you're just like, you know what? This is not for me, but I'm going to do it. Cause I like having said that I've done it later. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a way to get you to the other side. Um, and yes, a lot of lovely, warm feelings from the chat, Andrew. Which is another good thing I think about doing this episode with an audience because we're we're gonna have some supporters yeah. in the virtual lot in the virtual
0: crowd. Yeah. Um. Did you know about Caroline Paul or Wendy McNaughton coming into this book? The names sounded vaguely familiar to me, but I I didn't know what from.
1: I hadn't. I had not heard of Paul's work. When I started looking into McNaughton's work, I was like, oh. She did that the salt, fat, acid heat art. Yes, which is like yes, instantly I did recognizable. That from, yes. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she has another book called Meanwhile in this is Wendy McNaughton. She has another book called Meanwhile in San Francisco. Um, she has a book called Pen and Ink about tattoos, and then a book called Knives and Ink about chefs and their tattoos. <laughs> so into the art and the people who wear art. She's also done some scratch and sniff books on wine and whiskey. Um, which is really fun. I didn't. I hadn't been aware that there were adult scratch and sniff books.
0: Mm-hmm. I, f- I mean, they're adult coloring books. I figure. Yeah. You might as well try adult whatever. Yeah. Because I, a not an uncharitable person <laughs> would say that it's because millennials can't grow up. But a more charitable person would say that we have more than past generations, maybe. Seen that it's sort of arbitrary and silly to stop doing some things that you like just because you're older.
1: Yeah. And I think there, that's are, fair. there are of
0: course lines there like sure. <laughs> as there are with everything but <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I could derail this whole conversation. Oh boy, now oh, I, I want to talk don't about. I want to talk about like how we grew up in the hyper commercialized 80s versus like the boomers trying to drag everything back to the 50s. Mm-hmm. I haven't fully fleshed out this TED talk yet, but I will. Anyway, Caroline Paul no, I mean, gave just, head like, talk once.
0: The the uh the Christmas song thing where like eighty uh. percent of all Christmas songs are nine hundred years old and will never escape them, or contemporary mm. re recordings of them. That is a thing that what the new the newest Christmas song
1: is Mariah Carey, right? That's like yeah, the, newest that's canonical the newest one. I think
0: that's the newest one. <laughs> the newest one anyone's tried.
1: Yeah. Um, Because even all the good Bob Dylan ones are just covers of ones that we already know. Yeah, those are real good, though. They're really good. Um, Let's talk about Caroline Paul real quick. Okay. Uh, Paul grew up in New England. Um, Comes up in a few interviews, uh, including a TED Talk she gave about uh, raising brave girls. Um, When she was 15, she tried to break the record for distance crawling. How'd it go? And she didn't make it. <laughs> okay. Uh, she she had to go twelve miles crawling. Uh, she got rained on. She was wearing jeans, which seemed like a choice. It seems like
0: poor planning. Like if you're really gonna go for it, then I mean, can you be wearing knee pads? Are there yes,
1: there were knee are pads. There limitations
0: on what you can and can't do. Okay.
1: She was doing it on a track, but she didn't make it. Um, I've, that story just comes up a bunch in a lot of different, and I listened to an interesting interview with both of them on that. I just want to shout out uh, on design matters at designobserver.com. There was a good interview with them several years ago. Um, Paul went to Stanford uh, studying communications, was working at a radio station and came across a lot of stories about the San Francisco firefighter department, uh, allowing women in for the first time. And there were a lot of stories about whether or not they would face a uh, you know harassment and excessive gatekeeping and things so she probably co- not i mean
0: that hasn't happened in any other industry yeah, that her. women have broken into
1: uh uh-uh, uh no um and so she went undercover was her word uh went through the testing process and got in did not experience anything that was discouraging to her though i think she would probably say that there was still like uh, she's talks about it being like having 15 women in a department of 1500 people so there was definitely an air of what of opinions about what women were capable of um, and she went on to serve in the firefighter department for like a decade uh, Her one of her first books not,
0: wait hold is it not just the fire department why do you keep calling it the firefighter department
1: I don't know why <laughs> I wrote it down I wrote down San Francisco firefighter department and now I can't stop saying it I
0: mean I guess that's what it is <laughs> alright
1: um, whoops oopsie doodle uh, and she wrote a book, Fighting Fire, in 1999, which is about her time doing that. Her second book is her first novel. It's called East Wind Rain, which is about uh, World War II and deals with Pearl Harbor. Um, this I think this was her next book after that. And then she wrote The Gutsy Girl in 2016. This book, um, Lost Cat, being 2013. And then she wrote a book called You Are Mighty, A Guide to Changing the World, in 2018, which is about... Uh, getting nine and – it was aimed at, like, nine- to 12-year-old readers and really about, like, civic engagement and activism and stuff like that. Um, McNaughton is a fifth-generation San Franciscan. Uh, She admits that she grew up in Marin County, which isn't technically
0: San Francisco, but they claim it as such for, you know, like you do. I mean, I lived in Jersey City and had friends in Brooklyn, so I am really, like (laughs) – I am – hardcore in favor of people who like live within the eyeshot of the thing being able to claim that they live there yeah <laughs> like i yeah. think that's fine
1: um she moved to la for art school worked as a copywriter in an ad agency and then was like kind of dissatisfied with the ways that that was working and then went on to do some uh like campaign work in africa like one of her first jobs over there was working on a a electoral campaign in Rwanda um, at a time when that was like novel for the, like the local election campaign. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it spurred her to get a master's in international social work from Columbia, uh, but then moved into illustrating. And I think she said that for her, I don't know if there's any folks in, in the chat or folks listening that for her going to art school, like there was an element of looking down on, illustration and cartoon as a medium, I think as like visual arts have increasingly moved digitally, or you're thinking about like visual fine, quote unquote, fine arts, probably not including the type of illustration that McNaughton does Mm -hmm. um, in your own like presuppositions of what you think those genres are, even though they're all made up. Um, And I mentioned her books earlier. She also co-founded a website called women who draw which has it's like a directory of female-identifying illustrators, cartoonists, and artists that you can go and hire. I like shouting out those resources when they're cool. uh, when they're around. Yeah. Um, this book, as I understand it, Andrew, is like, as you said, it's fairly memoir-y. So everything else that I found on this book and on them seemed to be contained within its pages, or at least allusions to stuff that's in the book. So I feel like at this point... Maybe we can just get into it. I don't know. Yeah, what else? it's
0: like there's not a ton in here about like their their biographies or or whatever. It's a lot of it is defining them in terms of what kind of and to what extent are they cat people each okay. individually.
1: <laughs> sure. Um,
0: but yeah. So it's it, it begins with uh, Caroline Paul. She is flying a plane like this is a hobby of hers I guess and, and yes. mm-hmm. she crashes and it is pretty bad like she shatters her ankle and she's just really injured she's on painkillers she needs a lot of help from Wendy who is at this point they haven't been in a relationship for very long like she t- <laughs> Paul talks specifically about how they haven't been together long enough to merit this kind of you know this this kind of care and this kind of relationship yeah what i
1: heard was that it, it had maybe been six months that mm-hmm. they were together um that is so yeah intense yeah that isn't that is intense as someone who got married and then my my wife suffered like a freak foot injury like three months after we got married like even that was like well, okay we're going into it i can't imagine just getting with a person, <laughs> then six months later, they crash an experimental plane. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, you know,
0: like, and this is this is a moment that seems sort of David Sedaris esque in its like, in in the possibility <laughs> that it's maybe not strictly true. But she says oh. that she <laughs> says that she two of the bones that she broke were her tibia and her fibula, mm. which. I mean, I guess those are bones you could break pretty easily in a plane crash. But these happen to be the names of her two cats that she lived with.
1: Yeah. So what I don't know is if she is, if I couldn't, I can't remember if she had been in an accident like this before. I know that she's been like a physical fitness kind of daredevil person getting into this plane stuff. Just, I don't no, know, no baby. thanks. No, no thanks. thank you. No <laughs> base jumping for me. No, not I'm not going to get hurt any
0: worse than you can on like a medium-sized weight machine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so she has these cats named after bones. Those are her broken bones.
0: Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. <laughs> so, I was trying to get us back on track after. No, 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 no it's good. It's good. Bad. Um so she is she is talking about how just depressed she is how how Vicodin addled she is and this you know that this is during that stretch where some of these opioid drugs are sort of being over prescribed i mean i think oxy is is the bigger one yeah yeah um the the book's not really about that i just saw that and i was like Um, Mm. because it's taking place in 2009 i think something like that yeah Yeah. it doesn't really like it doesn't really matter when in time that it happens except like cat sized gps and camera technology exists so like sometime in the (laughs) 2000s sure um and during this during her like convalescence when this is like this is a really low point in her life anyway tibia who is in who is an indoor outdoor cat so this is different from newman's situation He was just an indoor cat. I guess maybe we'll save the new and stuff for the end. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, But he, you know, they're they're used to him being in and out. And one day he leaves and he does not come back. And they are... Well, Caroline Paul in particular is bereft. Because these are her cats. And, and, you know, her relationship with Wendy is very new. Wendy is not a cat person as... (laughs) Uh, Paul says one of the, one of the differences is that people who aren't cat people sometimes use the word cat instead of kitty when they're talking about their cats. <laughs> and that's not a thing that a cat person does.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, I, but they, you know, that. they do the full thing. They do flyers all over the place. You know, you, you wander the streets yelling your cat's name, hoping they'll hear you and, and come and it just, it never happens. she, increasingly desperate, like tries to talk to a psychic to, to she does some things here that I am. I'm not, <laughs> they're not what I did. Not okay. What I okay. <laughs> Going to see a psychic, not one, but two times just in, in an effort to be reassured in some way.
1: Did, did, is she reassured? How do those visits go?
0: I mean they the psychic tells her predictions about the cat being fine and an exact day when it would come back and it doesn't happen twice. So how do you think it <laughs> how do you think it went? <laughs> um, And they, you know, they're doing all this stuff. They're going to the shelter. She very accurately describes the general vibe of most, like the volunteers at many animal shelters, which is like unfailingly kind, but also, you know sort of weird <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you
1: mean by that you, either in the book or in your own experience there, do there's, you an illustri- there,
0: there's an illustration from uh, McNaughton in here about a uh, about an animal shelter worker and it's just like band-aids on the hands from scratches the right side of their vest has buttons of all the animals they currently have the left side of their vest has buttons of all the animals they've ever had who have passed away um, they have, like, stain-resistant black pants on.
1: Yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: and, yeah. Just, like, a very, like, the guy at the uh, Mount Vernon, Ohio animal shelter that we adopted Newman from was, like, the friendliest guy with, like, the big beard and, like, a wife beater tank top. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, like, and a, just a real, like, crunchy, grungy sort of vibe. But he was very nice. And he sold us. A cat for thirty five dollars. It was on, he was on sale at the
1: time. It, it sounds like these people put a lot of points into environmental storytelling about yeah, who yeah, they yeah. are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I heard in an interview that Caroline said, um, even though she wasn't supposed to, because you know she had incredible injuries, uh, she used her firefighter department training to like rig up a system where she could still drive her car uh but have her like leg lifted so that she could get herself to shelters when she wasn't supposed to <laughs> uh see uh Wendy in the interview is very careful to be like I don't think that she was on drugs while this was happening. I think she was cleared to be on the road, but still she should not have done this. Yeah. So, <laughs> do you get do you get the sense that this is like Caroline I, I don't know, you're you've alluded to it maybe being heightened for the sake of the story. We'll, having get, listened to, her... you know,
0: we'll get to some of this later, but
1: <laughs> Yeah. Having listened to her talk about it, I don't know, maybe she's just metabolized it as stuff that she
0: happens. She might just and she listen, she might just be a kooky lady. Yeah, sure. She might she just be a, a plain lady. old kooky lady, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so she you know, she does the thing. She does neighborhood walking does the flyer posting does the go to the shelter every three days for weeks and weeks thing and as like as they are losing hope because like five weeks is a long time yeah it's a long time when this when this happens um th- uh tibia just wanders into their bedroom one night and like meows and hops up on the bed <laughs> and oh back. neat yeah he's just come back
1: what <laughs> mm. What? I would. I think from what I've heard, one of her first reactions is like anger and rage at this animal. So she
0: is she is extremely grateful, but as soon as the thrill of seeing the cat sleeping like on the couch where it's supposed to be wears off, she immediately becomes angry and even sort of betrayed feeling because Tibia has come back like. Act, they go to the vet. She actually weighs a little more than she did when she left last. Her <laughs> coat is, it's a, it's a he. Uh, his cat, his coat is very uh, lustrous and well-maintained looking. This is a 13 year old cat, which is pretty up there. Um, but this, this cat appears no worse for the wear. And so she spirals a little bit. And I think this is maybe aided a, a bit by her, you know, her physical discomfort and the other sort of things that are going on with her right now. But, the place where she goes immediately is we, I thought we had 13 great years together and I can't believe you've done this to me. <laughs> I can't believe you could just go somewhere else and be fine without me. And like, maybe this relationship isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. That sucks. That's a real
1: feeling. And, and how wonderful to have it about an animal that you can't communicate <laughs> with, with right. using words. Um, yeah,
0: it's like, and I, I understand that depth of feeling about an animal. And i certainly think that like, when we, in the first few years we had uh Newman, it was a little like, and this happens a lot with people who have cats who then have kids, but you can like scroll through the camera roll and pinpoint <laughs> the exact moment the baby was born because all the pictures of cats sort of, Days out and then it's just pictures of babies But before uh-huh. that it was wall to wall pictures Of cats and it's just like yeah. a cat sleeping Like you've seen this a million times
1: Well and you know um, I recall Like you and Suze If I was like on a trip with you Like Suze would send you A photo of the cat
0: Yeah just to see how he was doing
1: Or if I was away with both of you Like you would get one from whoever was Coming by whomever was coming by To see yeah, right. the cat mm-hmm. Um and most of the, t- and like someone, I don't remember who mentioned in the chat. I think it was Laura uh, mentioned it in the chat. Like cats have, uh, a true cat person uses loving insults to refer to their cat. And oh, I yeah. Do, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just years of you guys like fawning over a photo of him, but also being like, what an idiot. <laughs> like that is a true. Cat owner experience.
0: Yeah, it cer- it me. certainly is. But yeah. I, it's Susanna's dad. I think tells this. I only I only remember like the nugget of it. I don't remember any of the people involved or their relationships to anybody else. But I'm gonna say it's Susanna's dad tells a story about like a friend or relative of his who was like way 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 into their cat and then had a baby and came home with the baby and had a moment where they looked at the this cat who they had fawned over for years and years and thinking you're just a cat (laughs) oh no (laughs) and not not that that means you don't love the cat but
1: yeah you're just a cat (laughs) can babies can do you think that babies just like cure you of your toxic plasmosis I don't even
0: think it's a it's a cure thing it's like my brain is now devoted so much to keeping this baby alive yeah and sure. also it's like some like biological response to this this living organism being like part of me mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> <laughs> that it just it is more that the baby changes your brain chemistry than it is like the your relationship with the cat yeah it's sure deteriorating you know what i mean of
1: course well and the cat doesn't the cat doesn't know that you that you have like parental feelings about the kid it has to no. learn that you care about the kid through behavior yeah but newman it and
0: henry had, had reached like a sort of detente i think henry now is moving around a lot more so i'm honestly not sure <laughs> <laughs> how they would be interacting at the moment. but
1: um, um, I do want to share this quote from an interview with the cat behaviorist uh, that Caroline Paul did kind of about the focus on the cat. Because now that the cat's back in the story, we're going to learn a little bit more about Tibby. Um, and she said, Lost Cat did start out as a ponderous memoir all about injury and depression after a major accident. After a few rewrites, I was sick of myself and my supposed insight into darkness and hopelessness. Much yep. more interesting was how I went off the deep end when my cat Tibby disappeared during this time. So I yep. cut out all the erudite angsty stuff and went to Wendy to illustrate. Um, so where does that seem to jive with the energy of the book?
0: Oh, certainly. So what uh, happens when she begins feeling betrayed is I have to figure out who was feeding my cat. Who did my cat betray me for? <laughs> and to do this, she first like she goes she goes to a like a store where they sell GPS hardware and she talks to the guy. Everything there is like too big and too expensive, but he, you know, he guides them in the in the right direction. So they buy this GPS, they hook it to Tibby's collar and she and just start tracking her as as she walks around. And I don't I don't know if you've ever seen shared on like Twitter or or other social media. Like sometimes there will be stories that go around about like oh I tracked my cat around the neighborhood and the results were, you know, you'll never believe what happened next. <laughs> <laughs> but it is the the data they get from that is very much one of those. Like cats just go they truly go all over the place. They are not nearly as like consistent or steady as you might think. So they just get like a bunch of big blobs of data with like most of the movement happening within a couple blocks of of their house. This makes Caroline even more upset if anything, because it becomes, I was out like yelling loud enough to annoy all the neighbors about my lost cat and he can't possibly have been within earshot this whole time. Mm. Can't possibly have been.
1: Mm. Well, and and if if he was, and he was ignoring me,
0: that's well. No, worse. that that, lo- that just logically doesn't track. She sure. <laughs> she makes a uh, well. McNaughton helps with this illustration, but just like a big flowchart of all the possible things that could have been happening, <laughs> and anything other than my cat was being held captive by somebody against his will is sort of summarily dismissed as something that she can't live with (laughs) sure no that makes sense i buy that okay so gps data not really getting them what they want so they start looking for a camera instead the one that they find is sort of a smallish one that takes a photo every minute and they get extremely useless data from this as well because they just (laughs) the camera's just not doesn't happen to be attached to the cat at the time when it's actually doing anything so it's mostly just like very artful shots of the ceiling lights and stuff
1: (laughs) okay (laughs) um it sounds like it sounds like you're you're like setting up a pattern of this book and let me know if this isn't where the book winds up or or if goes somewhere else more interesting like not more interesting, but like different wow. it feels like this is a book about like learning about the foibles and the foolishness of getting this wrapped up in this mm-hmm. feeling like it feels like these acts of tracking and attempting to get data on your cat to assuage your own emotions
0: well it's it's more that like because. Uh, Caroline Paul is her is our window into what is happening and because she's not really trying to like distance like she's trying to tell you what is happening as though you're there at the time she's not like she's going not back reflecting and, like, temp- okay like commenting or, or tempering things with like the the benefit of perspective or knowing how the story wrapped up or whatever you're just kind of there as she becomes un- increasingly unhinged in her quest to figure out exactly who her cat is cheating on her with. <laughs> and there're like a lot of what is uh, padding it out is um sort of humorous like thoughts about oh maybe the cat is just off exploring and the, accompanied with illustrations from McNaughton. Okay. Illustrating a cat sort of exploring the tundra with a little pickaxe. <laughs> sure. Um <so laughs> So this happens, she goes to a, and this is, this is the weirdest thing, but she goes to some kind of doctor or scientist, like heavy air quotes around those words, who is encouraging her to try and talk to her animal. But you do this by like thinking really hard at the animal and just trying to just trying to clear your mind out so you can hear what it's thinking and you have a conversation with it that way. It sounds like the most bonkers thing in the whole world. Like Like this, this person proves that this works in a room because she brings her dog and she holds up the dog and tells everybody in the room to communicate with it. And then everybody just yells out things that would be true of any dog on the face of the planet earth. And she's (laughs) like, yeah, you're exactly right. You heard exactly what my dog is saying.
1: I don't know why I'm thinking about that that freaking charlatan who used to be on television, John Edwards, that guy who'd be like...
0: The Democratic presidential candidate?
1: No, the other guy who lied. Another um, bad guy, John Edwards. Yeah, the guy who would be like, who here had a cousin that whose name started with J? And then someone would start crying, and he'd be like, you, tell me, is it John? And they'd be like, yes. And then he'd like... <laughs> Like oh,
0: here's a nickname that only Johns have. The whole I the when I was watching uh, Mystery Science Theater on the Sci Fi Channel in like the late 90s,
1: yeah, you
0: would see and and they just they so clearly just needed to shovel crap into their schedule to (laughs) fill all the airtime. Uh huh. And so you get these wild promos for reruns of the show Sliders, and then also like shows where people would talk to ghosts. Like yes. present? Oh, yeah, this is science fiction. Is like an, a, a, <laughs> an advice show where people talk to ghosts for you, like ghosts yeah. of your dead relatives or whatever.
1: Well, and then there was that whole... I don't know... I know less than I should about the Long Island medium. She was a sensation and a fraud. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <certain. laughs> uh, so, okay. So, does this like
0: work for caroline it, at all no it, it doesn't it doesn't work and so at this point a couple of of things happen uh her cat uh fibula who has been who she describes the relationship between them and it's clear that tibia is sort of in charge and then fibula is like the the needier one who is like thirstier for their attention and so yeah it's just kind of been hanging around this whole time and never ran away and has just been totally fine despite all the attention they've been paying to the other cat. Cool. Cool. Um they come home one day and they know something is wrong. Like Tibia is is standing in the middle of a room, like looking at a, a closet or something, just standing stock still looking at the closet. And there's like urine on the floor and they mm. like it's the it's one of it's the cat thing that they do where they just like go hide when they are yep. when they are like in danger of probably dying or really sick or injured in in some way and it's one of the like when you post that you've lost a cat to a Facebook group or something that's one of the first things that people tell you is like are you sure you looked everywhere which is Mm, not I understand this meant in a helpful spirit but I know our house Yes, (laughs) our house is kind of packed with stuff and i know all the places where he has ever been so like (laughs) anyway they find uh fibula and take her to the vet and it's just it's just the kind of thing that happens to to older pets sometimes is you just you don't notice anything and then something suddenly happens and you go in and they've got like a a mass somewhere and the prognosis is bad and you'd you know you decide to do the most humane thing you can and and like end that suffering yep. for them and and yep. she uh, ended up putting the putting the cat down and it's just it is and and she this is a a sort of smart thing that the book does is it's about like a cat who ran away and came back so like that's the lost cat but then also this other cat yeah was also a lost cat and they talk about not only how it affects them like obviously um, Caroline is absolutely wrecked. Wendy actually is really affected too and begins according to the book referring to cats as kitties in this window like becoming be, like continuing her transformation into a full cat person <laughs> as this <laughs> continues to go on. I do
1: yeah we I had a cat um named Bell that we that I grew up with my I think it was technically one of my sister's cats when we got her um she quickly became a cat that i talked to all the time and by talk to i mean like you make a noise at a cat and 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 some cats make noises back and then Mm -hmm. that becomes the foundation of your relationship (laughs) um and she was a very sweet cat she got she like lived through a number of other cats that lived with us and moved with other people and things like that and i think she died not long after we graduated from college i think i was still living at home at that point i don't remember um Mm -hmm. But it was one of those things where it's like she had had a few health scares, and then all of a sudden it was just like, "That's it. This she is done." Like she's yeah. just, like it would not be great if we yeah. tried to keep her alive, and it's really heartbreaking. Um, it's it's wild because I am. What I'm thinking about with regards to this book is like for McNaughton in particular, the the person who undergoes a cat lady transformation is like she comes into this relationship. Well, you have to, I
0: think you have to get bit by a cat lady <laughs> yeah, to become a cat do.
1: lady. Before you go full gray gardens. Um she like I don't know, like animals the pets that you have, not animals, pets that you have, they are animals, but I'm trying to be more emotionally sensitive. Um they help you define parts of your life and like eras of your life. And so what's, what's interesting is that like she came into a relationship with a person who had these like decade long relationships with these cats and then still has to go through the grief of losing that cat. And I can't, yeah, I can only imagine that that would like fundamentally change her relationship to those pets as well as like deepen her relationship with Caroline Paul.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Like with, with Newman, like we got him. So I mean, it was, it was a very specific like chain events. Cause we were talking about getting, we moved in together in 2009, Susanna and I did, and and we had been dating for like a couple of years at that point. And um, I, it was, it was like the depths of the, of the great recession. I had a job, like I, I was working in our Colleges IT department because I was a student worker there, and it was literally the only thing I could find on the face of the planet Earth in 2009 with like barely any marketable skills. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like my class, me and my classics degree out trying to get a job in 2009. It was pretty dire, like 2008, 2009. Um, so I had a job. She was living in Chicago. She didn't care for it, and. She, she just didn't put down the, the roots that I think she expected to. And she she went out there. She was just kind of lonely and, and yeah didn't feel like she was really getting anywhere. And so she just came out to Ohio and we moved in because we were tired of being long distance. And so for like a year and a bit after that, we were like, we should get a cat. And it came time. Like, I think Suze was getting a promotion at the bank that she worked at or she had like interviewed for it and we said okay if you get this promotion we're gonna go get a cat and then she <laughs> oh, got it and then okay. we went and got a cat
1: okay um, I, I in my brain there's a version where you're like we will not get a cat Susanna if you do not get this promotion that, you that's better not get a cat.
0: it was less it was less that and more we're just gonna keep saying we should get a cat sometime over and over and over again to each other unless we like define a specific trigger yes like, sure if this then cat like we, we yeah. may have gotten a cat anyway after that but it wasn't no it wasn't a way to punish Susanna if she didn't get a promotion <laughs> I'm sorry which now bad. i realize it does sound kind of like that
1: i know you didn't do that no we Part, didn't it, do that it, it's similar to like laura and i if we will probably Wind up getting an animal once we move in the next. I don't. We're not going to get an animal in the next month or so. We have <laughs> loved many animals that we have not owned over the past several years, and because we've been living in a place where we have not been allowed to have an animal, I think we will probably rip and that bandit off. You've been too
0: square to just break the rules.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm not. That's a rule <laughs> I'm not going to break. You know, there's. I don't want I don't want an animal to scratch up the floors or like pee on something. I And I get it. The animals do that. You know, it is. Animals what it do is. that.
0: But you know when It's not yours. Well, it's yeah. not yours. And then at the end, you don't get your what? You don't get your like $1,500 security <laughs> deposit back or whatever. Just just that money's gone, baby. I mean, you don't have it now. Just no, pretend you're right. Like it, just pretend like it. You it's money you spent already. That's true. That's true. I don't know. I'm really sorry that I didn't start trying to convince you to do this before. I know. You've got like, you're
1: like really jazzed about it. I'm like, wow, Andrew should have worked on me about this three years ago. Maybe I would have cracked.
0: Just Um, like rules are just like society, man. Like it's all fake. It's all just a construct.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We've had two alley cats that we were really, uh, been loving on the last year and a half. One of them seems to have passed away back in September. We haven't seen wabs in months. Um, and Bruce does not seem very healthy right now, and that's uh, it's not great to watch. Uh, but he does keep coming by, so we're gonna bid goodbye to him in one way or another soon. And it's really yeah. sad. Woof, woof. Man. Just, and that's weird. Like it's I say so that, scary. I share that. Like there, he's not even our cat. He's just a cat who lives he's just in the, the cat neighborhood. You see,
0: sometimes, like we have a cat who lives on our street who doesn't like. He more belongs to the guy a couple doors down who just like sweeps up and down our street every couple of days. Yeah. And Susanna calls him Chief because it seems like he's boss of the street. (laughs) But we don't even know if that's his name. (laughs) Yeah. But But I love... You you get to know the... In a city, you get to know the cats, you know, the single cats in your area.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Single cats looking for love. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I don't... We've... I don't know. We've talked about maybe... Trying to take Bruce with us. But at this point. I don't know if we should. Hey who.
0: How's this book wrap up? So. (laughs) They talk about how they are responding to. Fibula dying. But they're also talking about how. Tibia responds. And actually the. Deep end that they went off of. With respect to surveillance technology. Actually gives them like a. Graphic representation of their cat being sad that their other cat isn't there anymore. Even though like there, there's a wide, there's a wide like gamut of inter cat relationships that, that happen in a two cat household. Mm-hmm. Um, and they seemed mostly indifferent to each other, but this cat disappears or th- this cat dies. And yep. then like they have the GPS data that for weeks shows tibia just not going nearly as far afield as she used to and like for a little while not really leaving the house just like looking and like being sad that's
1: really like sweet and sad
0: and the they have like they they use graphic you know they, they um post the gps data you know imposed over the the like the Google Maps satellite view of their street. Mm, mm. And uh Caroline she label she like posts five different GPS movement patterns and labels all of them with like the five stages of grief sort of oh humorously. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. then things things start going back to, to normal. But I think Wendy at this point, like having more bought into Cat stuff is like okay We're gonna figure this out now Move step aside I am gonna Figure this out Mm. And so she takes all of the Like disparate Like you know dozens of GPS uh, Movement maps And lays them all over Top of each other and they both go through Every map and it just looks like a big Like Spiky ball of lines like it doesn't look like anything But They you know they point out where the activity seems the greatest on every map, and they like you know label it with a blue dot, and then at the end, they take away all the spiky g p s lines and just leave the blue dots and It turns out there's one cluster where their house is and one cluster like down the street a bit, huh and they're like "dang, we found it we f- <laughs> we figured it out we found the haunt, we found where the cat goes, and so the rest of the book is them you know talking to their neighbors and you know i think and this is another city thing is like you know she she describes your neighbors as like strangers that you know what like what they look like yeah like you know their faces but you don't know anything about them.
1: (laughs) yeah that is that is unfortunately probably a a, a common city thing and it's very easy to like yeah, that's the person that's always walking around at five five o'clock. Oh, yeah, that's the yeah. guy who always parks his motorcycle at eleven thirty and he's mm-hmm. loud about it. But mm-hmm. that's where he lives.
0: And that's the lady who's just out on her phone in the middle of the street yelling at somebody else on the other end of the phone in the middle of the day, ruining opening window season for everybody.
1: <laughs> you this just need the
0: people you live around.
1: This lady has no idea it's how been much
0: because. It's like a, it's it is that she does that it is that I know if we nicely asked her if she would maybe do it inside her house, we would end up on her enemies list forever and she'd make our <laughs> lives miserable. So we can't say anything. It's that like the second day that she was doing this this week, she went out back and grilled some food and just made this like toxic lighter fluid smoke stink that permeated the entire bottom floor of the house and like burned all my nose hairs out. Oh man! <laughs> and she also seems like she's kind of cussing at her kids like all the time. So well, it's a bunch. It's a rich potpourri of <laughs> sure things. With this, I've lady.
1: got a. I've got a guy that I'm. I'm fairly certain has never. Uh, spoken a word in the six years that I've been here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see him every day. He loves to smoke a cigar and stare vaguely southwest. That's his deal.
0: I hmm. wonder what's down there.
1: The sun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like he's, he just kind of sits on a bench, smokes a cigarette and stares. And then sometimes I nod at him, and he nods back. And I've never seen him utter a word to anyone.
0: It's fine. Now you never will because you're moving. It's true. Maybe he'll come up to you on your last day and be like, hey, it was nice to be your neighbor.
1: Whoa, that would be. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> if that
1: happened.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> that would rule. This is my fanfic for you and silent neighbor person. Oh, uh, but So God. Caroline and, and this is this resonated with me, but like a combination of just like normal city neighbor stuff and intense anxiety and introvertedness <laughs> kept her from ever really talking to any of her neighbors but now she is doing it to try and find where her cat has been going this whole time it is during this stretch of the the book that wendy says you know something some there is one thing that's different you don't seem depressed anymore and so like working through all of this stuff has sort of helped her get through the wall that she was in as a result of her injury, which she, I mean, she's still on crutches, like through the entire length of this book and it's, it's month and months, So it's, it's gotta be pretty, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty intense, but she tracks down, she finds this, this, apartment of people who are just really aggressive about like taking in strays and and rehoming them and there's kind of cat people and she pulls out a picture of tibia and shows it to the guy and he's like I know that cat and it's you know after months and months of not of of no leads and not knowing where anything is like she thinks that she's finally found the cat stealers (laughs) as she decides (laughs) immediately to call them (laughs) So they invite them over, and they have this long conversation where she is trying to frame them in her mind as cat sealers the entire time. But then it melts away, and she's just like, "These are just really lovely people who try to take care of stray cats that that come in." And they didn't, they didn't trap my cat. They didn't even like they. They tell a story about how they there was a cat who came onto their property who had a collar, and they put a note into the collar to be like hey is this your cat we've been feeding it like just like reaching out to the person and they never did that with tibia because tibia would always run away mm. instead of like being approached by them so like they, mm. they knew the the cat but they never got close enough to see like the collar with the phone number on it so it was not like you know it's not some malicious act that they never talked about this cat to her sure sure it, it ended up that way
1: they had a system but the cat was not on board
0: and then in the like the the book kind of wraps up with a they talk about this sort of hypothesis like, OK, this cat like clearly is hanging around you again, still loves you, but like needed to take a break like a lot of people do in, in a lot of relationships. And she sort of and, and whether, you know, whether this is is true or not, yeah. I mean, you can you can decide for yourself. But like this really intense like miserable depressive period in her life like it just seemed like maybe to be needed to peace out for a minute. Mm. And then she and, and then he did and then he came back and now he's back. Hmm. And it doesn't mean that they don't have like a deep and loving bond. It was just a, it was just how it how it went. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. How did so that's you kind of the book? How did the book hit you like as you were going through it and as you have like,
0: in relation to like, hey, you should check out this book because of your life because of you know, loss, and, yeah, and, um, just really scratching at a scab. um it was it was far enough removed from my own experience with with Newman that I wasn't like actively like sad or like sure discovering like deep wells of of buried feelings in myself the entire time but it was you know it, it was cathartic in some ways to see a cat person talking about you know a, their relationship with their cat and seeing elements of my relationship with Newman in there and seeing especially in the the first bit where the cat was lost and they didn't know where where he was like the feeling of not knowing where he is and like not knowing he's safe and, and looking around. And then also the feeling of like with Newman, I don't like we don't know what happened to him. We honestly don't yeah. like for, we for don't. all we know, he because he was you know, he was he hated the vet. Yeah. Like we the last couple of times we took him to the vet, we had to have him actually literally sedated because otherwise nobody could get close enough to him to do anything to him. And so we never, you know, we never had him chipped because he wouldn't sit for it, which immediately we felt stupid about, but like he, for all we know, he could have scratched his way into somebody's house and he's safe and sound somewhere and they don't really know where he came from and he is comfortable and and happy and it's, and that's what it is and it's fine. Or also because he got out when it was, you know, like in the depth of winter here in like mid february he just made it out and like immediately froze to death cuz he's been an inside cat for a decade and he has no survival skills or like sense of of what to do when for the first time you make it out of your house and after dozens and dozens and dozens of attempted escapes your owners are not right there to yeah either pick you up or to open the door when you immediately get terrified and then run back to the door. <laughs> um, but there are so many just like locked service alleys around in,
1: in Philly, in yeah.
0: our area that there there are so many, uh, vacant houses or houses that are being flipped and like worked on that I could have th- th- for the first few weeks after he was, lost like every time anybody posted a picture of any gray cat in the neighborhood <laughs> Facebook group we're in I'm like walking you know 16 blocks to go and and check this thing out and see if it's you know if there's any possibility that it that it <laughs> that it might be him. and but and I could I could have passed within 50 feet of him a hundred times and never known
1: yeah yeah
0: um The bit about her, when uh, Caroline talks about like calling the cat's name and not having it respond, like the rational part of my brain knows that that's a cat thing. That's just like not how cats are. They don't like if they are scared, they don't necessarily hear a familiar noise or smell a familiar smell and then instantly feel safe and come out to look for where that is coming from. Yep. Um, but on the other hand, like I did for 10 years, I kept (laughs) you alive. for 10 years, I fed you and I dealt with all your, you're scratching up all the wood furniture and puking all over the hardwood and getting your fur and your whiskers everywhere and your little shedded claws and, and for this, and this is how, (laughs) this This is is how how you do me. me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. No, it's like... Pandemic brain has been... I mean, it's been bad. Like, I just I just don't remember stuff anymore. Like, I, I don't... If I'm trying to remember, like, appointments or even, like, a basic to-do list of stuff I have to do that day, if I've not written it down, like, the exact moment I say to myself, I need to do that, I just don't remember it. I don't yeah. remember it. And I don't remember when anything happened. I have no sense of time anymore. It's just a, it's a mush of completely unresponsive goo that does not, that cannot see more than like 72 hours ahead or behind. And it sucks yeah. and I hate it. But on the other hand, um, I don't know, like I'm just like over the course of the pandemic and the election and the, the things that happened after the election and just like your brain gets so used to not thinking things can get worse and then seeing evidence that it can actually get worse and then adjusting to whatever that new normal is. Yeah. That I felt like I, I don't know. Like I just, I was protected in, in some ways from the, like the weight of, of that feeling because you know, for better or worse, my brain has been wired to deal with feeling bad for, you know, for a year at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe sneaking up on me somewhere in like November, I'm going to suddenly feel every feeling that I didn't let myself feel for like a year.
1: Well, and I, and I I hope you don't mind me saying this. Like I know that you have done that for other things for like years where it's just like, well, Oh, eight years later, I I have feelings about something. Um, and, (laughs) And not that you didn't have them all along, but all of a sudden you can't not express them, and I I don't think you're alone in that at all, um, by any means. So I don't know.
0: This hasn't been funny in a while.
1: <laughs> no. Can I ask you to? That um, you've been getting a lot of love from our yeah, chat and our I Patreon supporters, so I encourage you, and Andrew, if you, if, to thing. go back and read that. Um, yeah.
0: No. I've 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 been reading in real time and feeling. Can I ask the you to digital love from afar?
1: The, the digital love. I don't like that, but okay. Well, no, let's
0: not. We can work. We can fix that on post, probably. <laughs> can you talk to me
1: a little bit, just as we close out, about how the illustrations function, how they landed for you? I was interested in hearing about how this book came together. That when Paul started writing, uh, maybe it was because of how new their relationship was. She kind of expected it to just be like she would write the text, give it to McNaughton. McNaughton would do some illustrations and that would be done. But it was actually way more collaborative. They went back and forth. They had to navigate the fact that they were also in a relationship. And like what <laughs> happens if the other if the person I'm in a relationship with who's also helping me recover from a terrible accident doesn't like my chapter or doesn't like my art? Mm-hmm. Um and all of the reviews, I read some Goodreads reviews and some other reviews that, like, found the the text, like, charming. And as a cat person, they, like, liked the story. Some folks were, like, wished it was more focused on the cat and, and didn't have the personal human memoir element to it. But uniformly, folks said that, like, the illustrations are what carried them through the book. Can you just... In our wonderful visual podcasting medium, <laughs> can you just talk a little bit about what like the mechanics of some of the art and like how that worked for you? I can,
0: yeah, and I can, I can grab some for you to uh post on social and oh, stuff that'd be, when that'd we, be rad. When we Thank you. This episode too, but um, it's I think it primary. So I my for my day job, I write like six thousand word guides about computer monitors and. Yeah. and illustrations and like pull quotes and all kinds of stuff like at one level at one like very basic just like functional structural level they exist to break the wall of text up yeah and that is not i am not trying to like downplay the what the illustrations are doing because they're do they're doing more than that but in this sense it is like you're reading some pretty heavy stuff and depending on your relationship to your own pets, like it might be making you feel a lot of things. Mm. And then the illustrations are just kind of there to, and they break up the text and they, they, they make the structure of the book just like physically more like varied and, and interesting. Sure. Sure. But I think it it, like narratively, they primarily serve to, I think leaven things a little bit. It's Mm. not that, Uh, Caroline Paul's writing isn't funny but especially when she's like really deep manic into like finding cat spy cameras so that she can (laughs) discover the mystery people who may or may not have stolen her cat (laughs) to see funny illustrations of a cat like in a costume or a cat like doing a, a zany thing. Mm-hmm. because this is what Caroline Paul's brain tells her that the cat must be doing because the cat ignoring her and just like leaving of its own volition can't have been real. Yeah, okay. Um, the illustrations serve to, to do that. And then, then there are a couple times where they are just they are visually representing things that would that are it's just a more effective way of, of illustrating things than text is. Like when you're talking about a flow chart of all the things that your cat might have done,
1: Oh, or when sure. you're
0: when you're trying to describe GPS data, which is not like strictly a like a McNaughton illustration, but it is of a piece with what the like the purpose of the illustrations are in the book in the first place.
1: There's the the one in McNaughton's portfolio on her website, which is just Wendy McNaughton dot com, has uh, Tibby. It's a circular graph of Tibby in a safe zone and mm-hmm. then concentric circles of things that tibby might be scared of and it moves from slow moving objects and general fear to like two levels up is dogs raccoons and loud banging noises and then like the thing beyond that is certain death um and it's just an interesting graphical representation of where a cat is comfortable
0: <laughs> i suppose <laughs> i mean there's another one that's a pie chart of like a cat owner's brain where like a third of it is wondering where your cat is and what they're doing, and then, <laughs> and then just about your cat's inner life, and then like the other third of it is like food and like sleep and sex and the other human <laughs> needs, all kind of crammed together with the non-cat stuff.
1: Sure, um, yeah, McDonald's stuff has a real personality to it. It's it's really impressive, honestly. Jeez,
0: yeah, it it is. There is a. and i'm thinking both of the illustrations here and and in salt fat acid heat where it's both like a faithful illustration of what is going on but also like the the lines are sort of like they're they're not sharp i don't want to say shaky because that implies like a
1: a dr cat
0: unintentional yeah like a dr cat's wiggled squiggle vision sort of thing that's not what's going on (laughs) but What a what we pick such good like universal reference points.
1: I'm huh? just glad that almost like 95% of the time we have the same reference points. I know. Every what you were once in a while. About. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, yeah, I I know what you're saying. It's like it it is to me, it could be I don't know that she is primarily like a pencil and watercolor artist, but it certainly has that vibe where the line like you're saying, the lines are they're not meant to be mechanically clean yeah if that makes sense yeah
0: yeah Yeah, the the lines and the the coloring aren't clean but within that like the the renditions of what she's drawing are pretty faithful and so it's a it is a recognizable style i think cool cool Um, all right yeah so uh kate recommends nick bantock whose books uh she says have really great illustrations and artwork spin says thief of always is a ya book with quote boss illustrations <laughs> <laughs> which i think sounds good um and yeah just generally allegra says more adult books should have illustrations and i think ah. that is that is borne out by by this
1: and and different from it being a graphic novel or comic book this is a book or or as you and i went back and forth on this this is also not a a book that happens to have some illustrations in it, but maybe in twenty years you would publish it with a different illustrator, like a lot of kids' books are, yeah,
0: right. The illustrations are really integral to the the storytelling, I think, sure, All right. imagine just like how much better would that Obama book have been if like if obama <laughs> drew Lindsey Graham or something I don't know, I just feel like that would I feel like that would add something to me.
1: I don't know why I'm just imagining like one page like him like palling around with Medvedev and on the next page it's like him and Putin 20 feet apart and he's
0: like Burr. and on one page he just like drew an American flag and it's kind of like kind of childlike his rendition <laughs> of it because he's not he's not George W. Bush you know he's not an artist but he is trying and it says like it captures something about his sense of, of what America means you know Mm-hmm
1: he's on top there's a drawing of him on top of the white house like smoking and eating almonds and joe the camels in the background going "shh." <laughs> well that's
0: a political card that. <laughs>
1: sorry that's mine i slipped it into the book
0: <laughs> anyway maybe volume 2 we'll have some maybe i <sighs> can't wait can't pick wait. up a pick up a pen and get drawing. um all right i think that's gonna wrap us andrew yeah that's, uh, we've been going for a while, Great. so. Thank you for telling me gonna, about this book. It was a yeah, pre- like. I'm glad we got to talk up about a it. Pick of of. I gotta move it up to the top of the thing, but there's what? a pick of newbie in the. In the stream. It's oh, look.
1: okay. I'm gonna share that for some folks. That was my kitty.
0: Yeah. We had Sweet him newbie. for. Ten years and. I don't know. I just I, I the worst thing. Like even worse than like not knowing what happened, it's just like you know, feeling like you let him down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. you did you did well by him for such a long time, Andrew. Yeah. You did. Yeah. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to our Patreon supporters for joining us in the chat. Thanks for
0: sharing. Probably this was kind of a heavy one, guys. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but. This one was more for me than for you, I guess.
1: <laughs> but this, but I think that it will hopefully, folks, like this book being potentially of emotional service to you, Andrew. Maybe this episode will be of some emotional service to folks.
0: Well, and um, I'm. Thank you, everybody, for like, you know, lost cats happen a lot to yeah. people, and I hope that you know maybe something in this resonates with you in some way and that is the value of it <laughs> yeah that's true
1: yeah um if you want to share your cool cat names with us we, there was some happening in the chat you can send us an email um at overdue pod wait overdue pod at gmail.com is the yeah, email that's address it. you did it um tell us your cool cat names Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter at OverduePod. That's that one. Our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, folks want to
0: know more about the show? Where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website up there. We have links to Apple and Google and our RSS feed. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're anywhere you can get podcasts. Patreon.com slash OverduePod is how you get bonus episodes early and how you can join our rowdy, fun... Animal loss, really support emotionally chat.
1: supportive, <laughs> lovely chat. Other episodes, it's this like chaos zone that it's I is like weird, really like, energetic. Funny,
0: yeah, it's we don't cultivate as horny a space as I think we do on the TV podcast that I do. Yeah, like, that doesn't a way, mean it's not in there. I don't. It's like conceptually horny in yeah, some. You guys have a
1: vibe over there that like yeah. I love to
0: come visit, but I want to live there. <laughs> <You would. laughs> Like Florida, um, and we'd put up a May schedule. It's on yep. our social feeds now. But if you happen to have not seen that, uh, May third, uh, we will be covering Pippi Longstocking. May tenth, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Uh, May seventeenth, Gaudy Night by Dorothy Sayers. May twenty fourth, Craig will be reading Nancy Drew number one, the secret of the old clock.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna and read the this old will, one.
0: Yeah, this will be the original 1930s one. Yeah. I think, and, and not one of the rewritten ones where I guess like maybe she has a f- iPhone or something. I don't know what they no. would rewrite Nancy Drew.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that she gets an iPhone. There's one where she's
0: like less cool. It sounds like mm, so okay, I'm gonna okay. read the cool Nancy Cool Drew. And then uh, May thirty first, returning to this use your own adventure well with Moon Quest
1: by Son of R. A. Montgomery and Son Montgomery. Yeah,
0: his name's and Son Montgomery. Yeah, and Son Montgomery. It's a family business. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And whatever you are going through out there, I hope that you can try to be happy.
1: The Head Podcast.